our second hour of the program. Welcome back to you. It's great to have your company this morning. You know the drill, one 1170 If you've got the time, give us a call this morning. We're doing some sayings in sport that, that do your head in, essentially. We'll talk about anything that you want to, of course, which is the open slather policy that we've got going here. Some cricket news that I didn't get to touch on earlier this morning. Um, of course, with the Australia v New Zealand T20 matches starting tomorrow in Wellington and then followed up by the matches at Eden Park. Davey Warner's had a bit to say, um, reflected on back in 2016 when he copped it and sort of says, you know, hey, that's the way that it is and he gets it. But he wants more Australia v New Zealand games if the schedule can fit it. And that's the kicker, if the schedule can fit them in. These clashes will be Warner's last bilateral series for Australia. He'll finish his international career at the World Cup, but keep on playing in short-form cricket in various leagues. We'll play our first test in New Zealand since 2016 next week, and of course the ODI team hasn't been there for years either. Warner says future sides should honour the trans-Tasman rivalry by competing more often. Definitely Australia could come over here more, he said. New Zealand come to us probably six or seven times since I was here last in New Zealand. The schedule's always been a hot topic, but with our rivalry and being close neighbours, it just fits. It absolutely does, in my opinion. They're right there. And this could be a really good series on a number of fronts. Meanwhile, they've rejigged the Chapel Hadley Trophy, which was previously reserved for one-day international cricket. But they've now decided, both the governing bodies over there and here, that the trophy should be up for grabs in the T20 series as well. When an ODI and a T20 series is back-to-back, there'll be a point system to determine the winners. Now, this has been tagged brilliant by Sir Richard Hadley, and Greg Chappell has said it's great that the trophy will have more visibility and profile. In the same sense, Ian Chappell has said he doesn't agree with the focus on T20s, and he thinks that 50-over uh, cricket has been essentially left out to dry. He said... He holds fears for the future of the game. They certainly have T20 cricket at the top of the pole, and there's more and more T20 cricket being played, and less 50-over cricket. CA Chief Executive Nick Hockley said the change about the Chapel Hadley Trophy to include T20s would ensure that the trophy holds greater relevance in year to come, years to come. So a bit of a balance there. I think they've got it right by making sure that the Chapel Hadley Trophy doesn't doesn't just drift away because 50-over cricket may drift away, giving it relevance to T20s. And when there's T20s and ODIs on the same list, then giving it relevance to both. I think it's a really good outcome there, but you can also understand where Ian Chappell's coming from to say 50-overs has been left to... He says it's been left to rot by administrators. I think they're just... They're obviously following the cash in that one and seeing which, ways, which way it's going to go. And we know which way it's gone. T20 cricket is at the top of the pole. It's absolutely at the top of the pole. And there's more and more of it, and it's getting harder to fit in anything else. If that means the death of 50-over cricket, then that's going to be almost you know natural selection. What it won't mean is the death of the Chapel Hadley Trophy because they'll attach it to the T20 series along the way. 1300 01 1170 is my open line number on that.
Let me get to some of your texts. Simon Hill's going to join me. We'll talk football in just a second. Actually, just before I do that, back to Steve from Norellan's thoughts about the billion-dollar investment from AFL into grassroots in a New South Wales and Queensland over the next decade. Billion is a great figure to throw out, but this is a billion dollars over the next decade to try and double the amount of registered players that they've got. And you may have heard in the news there, Ben Iken, who's now the Queensland Rugby League CEO, having his say on it this morning. And Steve from Norellan posed the question, what's the NRL doing about it? Well, Ben Iken's had a say this morning to pose that very, very question. Uh, if you missed it in the news, we'll dig out that audio and I'll play it again to you as soon as we've got it. Coach Kale, let me know that. But really interesting question now. So it's it's almost like a shot across the bow. It's back over to you on this one. How seriously do the NRL take it? How much of a of a big statement is it from the AFL to say we're coming in and we've got the money in the pocket? And what do you think the NRL should do? Do you start obviously at grassroots? The grassroots. Let's have a listen to Ben Iken on the game being under-resourced, talking to Patton Heels this morning. I feel like we're under-resourced, you know, while other games are clearly realise that the battle's, you know, on the ground to win the hearts and minds of the mums and dads and the little boys and girls, you know. The AFL are planning and spending today to shore up their future for the next 50 years. You know, we can't seem to get around the table with our decision-makers and hatch a joint plan. It's really alarming. And, you know, in this latest round of uh, budget approvals, like, this is how scary it gets. We're having things rejected in writing on the basis that they don't align with the NRL's participation growth strategy. Now, silly old me thought, well, hang on, I haven't seen this document. Maybe they're making some sense or they've got some ideas. So you ring and request the document only to be told it doesn't exist. Oh, Jesus. It's really? A, it's embarrassing. Oh, dear. That's the first time I've heard that in full. Um... Benny Iken speaking to Patty and Heels this morning, but does give you an insight and I think reflects your question really well, Steve, about what is the NRL going to do about all this. And if you put it in simple terms, as Ben's just said there, they're spending money now over the next decade to shore up their future for 50 years. Rugby League at the moment is about to invest a whole heap of money going over to America. AFL spending their money into grassroots, trying to build the game, sign up kids, mums and dads, get them involved. NRL at the moment going big picture. Let's get into Vegas and America and try and get the cash. So which one comes first? Is it the, the chicken or the egg on this one? Hopefully that answers a little bit, possibly, Steve, of your question. If you've got any thoughts on that, let me know. Boy, there's a lot going on in the world of football. The global game tonight, back with Simon Hill, back as well, 8 o'clock right here on SEN, and he's on the line. G'day, Simon. Morning, Matthew. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm very good. I'm going gonna, gonna to pick your brains about some English Premier League stuff this morning because I got the email about Roy Hodgson uh, from Crystal Palace this morning, so I want to know what all that's about. But A-League tonight, so we've got Melbourne victory against Western United in Melbourne. At the same venue, of course, where they had that delayed start for victory in City on the on the weekend, an emergency fire evacuation drill. You've got to be prepared for anything in sport, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's just sometimes the way it goes, isn't it? But um, 
it's a pity that uh, they weren't able to put some goals on uh, once they did kick off. But, uh, you know, it's an entertaining game. Um, interesting to see Tony Popovich's reaction uh, afterwards in, in the press conference and in his interviews. Very tetchy, um, very defensive. Looks as though perhaps, you know, the pressure's starting to uh, to tell a little bit. I think that's six or even seven without a win now. A lot of those have been draws, but... Uh, yeah, I think uh, he needs he needs a win pretty soon. Mm, and we're getting to that stage of the season, aren't we, where I, I guess we're hearing a lot more from coaches. I mean, it's one of the great things about the A-League. The, the coaches aren't afraid to be outspoken, mate. Um, but you, you sense that it is getting to that part of the season where frustration might be settling in and they're, and they're running out of time to have their say, so they're having their say. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I think there's one... You know, there's a big difference between having your say, which of course is what press conferences are for. But uh, you know, if you if you've seen the the, the clip of uh, Tony Popovich, he's he's essentially trying to spar with the journalist. He's asking a perfectly reasonable question, to be honest, about uh, Daniel Ardani and and why he was uh, replaced. Um, anyway, I, I think it was just indicative. It was very instructive for me that that was a coach that is starting to. Uh, feel the pressure and is is you know lashing out at uh, anyone around him and uh, I guess that's the same and you know across the league uh, particularly when you're at a club with big expectations and perhaps at the moment those expectations are not quite being met um, it, it's very easy to let the emotions uh, get the better of you. What about the battle at the moment on the table, Simon? So you got Wellington Phoenix on top on 36 points. They've played their 18 games so far. Central Coast next on 31. What really interests me here is third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and possibly you can throw in seventh and eighth because you've got, you got a table here on points that is third down to six, split by only, what, six points. I mean, it's pretty fascinating yeah. that top of the mid-pack. Yeah, it is. And look, you know, that, that's always going to be the case with uh, with the salary cap league. You're going to get this bunching together. Um, I, I guess the biggest surprise is that it's Wellington Phoenix uh, that are so far clear at the top. Uh, I think if you'd have asked 100 people at the start of the season, OK, with uh, nine or 10 games to go, uh, which team is going to be five points clear? I reckon Wellington Phoenix would have been pretty far down the list of, of clubs. So... That's a credit to Giancarlo Italiano, uh, their head coach, who, by the way, is on the global game tonight, one of our guests. Um, but the rest, uh, yeah, you can throw a cigarette paper over them. They're, you know, there's not much to choose. And uh, the jockeying for position now is, is becoming a weekly battle. I mean, we saw the two Sydney clubs exchange places this weekend. Uh, Sydney FC defeating Adelaide United, Western Sydney Wanderers, narrowly beaten by the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, you can quite quickly find yourself out of the top six, um, which is obviously uh, the place that you want to be. So we're set for a, a really exciting finale, I, I hope, in the last uh, nine or ten rounds. Yeah, so Sydney FC in fifth, and of course, like you say, Western Sydney, they're in sixth. So 26 points for Sydney and 25 for Western Sydney. Now, Perth Glory, some, some good news out of there. Ross Pelligra has purchased the Perth Glory, so they've got ownership back in there. He's involved in property. He's also been involved in football teams as well. What's the reaction to that one? Well, I think it's one of relief, to be honest, over in the West. Obviously, Perth have been up for sale for you know quite some time since the licence was taken back off, off Tony Sage. Uh, they thought they had a deal in December, and, and 
were forced rather sheepishly to, to withdraw that because the money wasn't forthcoming. Uh, so they went back to the, the previous bidders, one of whom was Ross Caligra. Uh, and you're right, he's, he's got a bit of skin in the game. He, along with Vinnie Grella, Mark Bresciano, two very storied former Socceroos, uh, are invested in Catania over in Italy, which uh, is the nation of his heritage. Uh, so he understands the game and, look, you know, first impressions, very good. He's saying all the right things, um, talking about the, the club belonging to the people of WA and, uh, uh, you know, wants wants them to be involved in it very much. Uh, that should be the case right around the country. Owners are, you know, not uh, not long-term owners. that They are merely guardians of what our community assets. So... I think he said the right things. So obviously, that's got to be backed up with actions um, and having a decent little run on the pitch as well, Perth. So, uh, you know, hopefully brighter times ahead for glory. Uh, now we'd just like to get the Newcastle Jets situation sorted out because they've been without uh, owners since, um, well, Martin Lee disappeared now, which is over three years ago, which is a ludicrously long time um, to be treading water like they have been. So I hope that gets resolved, which uh, they promised is not far away. All right. Now, over in the EPL, I woke up this morning. So I actually followed Liverpool when I was a kid. But then I, a few years ago, mate, I, I don't know if we had this discussion, but a few years ago, I went over and saw a Palace game and went, right, oh, that'll do. You know, that, <laughs> there's my team. Um, and I follow them with interest, the Roy Hodgson story. So I get the emails still, and I see the email this morning that he's stepping down. And then two hours mm. later... They've announced his replacement. He's such an interesting character. He's mid-70s now. He's had a couple of cracks there, been there in total for six seasons. M- my question to you is, when does when does Crystal Palace get out of that mid-pack? Well, it's very difficult uh, to do that. Um, you know, to do that, you need huge investments um, just to get up to the challenging positions for the top four. Uh, to actually win Premier League titles is, is a different level altogether. Now, it's not just about money. Of course, as we saw with, with Leicester a few years ago, it can happen that uh, a, a mid-sized club without that financial investment can win the league. But let's be honest, that was a one-off. Um, Palace are doing well to uh, be a consistent Premier League club. Uh, and, you know, that, that sounds very... Uh, unambitious if you like but you know for years they were one of the yo-yo clubs uh, you can add crystal uh, uh, west bromwich albion to that list and, and one or two others they were bouncing around between the premier league and championship premier league championship now they've stabilized in the premier league they're an established premier league club now um so that's the progress of a source but to get to the next level you you know you need an awful lot of money and uh, in terms of roy hodgson feel very sorry for him. I, I think he's done a decent job at uh, Palace, but, you know, he is 76. Um, I, I, I think he was taken ill before a game a week or two ago. Uh, whether that was just an excuse, I, I don't know. Um, but clearly, Palace have had this succession plan uh, in the offing for quite some time. And um, it, it's unfortunate for Roy. He's one of the game's... Uh, great guys. I, I've met him on several occasions. He's, he's always got a word for everybody. He's an absolutely passionate football man. Uh, knows the game backwards. And, uh, yeah, maybe it's just a case that uh, father time has, has caught up with him a bit. Mm. 49-year-old Austrian Oliver Glasner will be the new manager, and he's signed on until the end of 2025-26. Thank you for all that, mate. Have a good show tonight. 
Pleasure. Thanks, Matthew. Simon Hill there with the global game tonight right across the SEN network. And when, when Simon puts that into perspective um, about, you know, where your team sits in the EPL, I, I'm thinking with my motorsport hat on, that's so similar to, to Formula One. You know, there are teams there that are established teams and that's essentially the success that they're going to have. They'll stay around mid-pack. They're the best of the rest and that's the race that they're in. And if you want to get to the top and take on your Red Bulls and your Mercedes and Ferraris, then it costs a heck of a lot of money. A hell of a lot of money. Millions and millions of dollars to find a tenth of a second. So now I can understand where they're at and, and why they stay where they are. Crystal Palace currently in 15th on the ladder, which when I went back and thought about the predictions that I read about at the start of the season, that's where they said they'd be. They'll hover around 14th, 15th. So they're that kind of team. But changes afoot in the managerial stakes. It's 20 minutes after 10. We're back after this break with your texts and calls.